Kicking and Streaming Podcast is brought to you by Cafe 1804. Premium Haitian coffee now available online at cafe1804.com. That's cafe, K-A-F-E, 1804.com. Ah, Jojo, Jojo, Jojo. The Jojo herself. <laughs> it be me. Yeah. All right. So, let's find out. This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. And hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming Podcast. My name is Graham, and as you've heard it, with me is the always fantastic, always never missing Jojo Jocelyn Podcast in the house. <laughs> hello, Jojo. How did you? I love me some how did you. I love me some how did you. I didn't even play with you. I love me some how did you. <laughs> yeah, the world is not the same without how did you. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, well, I will always do my best to bring the howdy do every week. <laughs> love it, love it, love it, love it. Today we are having a very light-hearted uh, episode because we are talking about a very light-hearted Nice, uh, nice, cute little movie. And uh, we're happy to do so because in the past few episodes, we've been quite like, bam, murder, bam, <laughs> challenger, bam, <laughs> this and that. So <laughs> we're going to take it easy today, Annie. <laughs> yes, yes, we've, we've had, yeah, we've had some pretty dark and deep subjects. So we're going nice and light and, uh, and, and fun. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, Juju, why don't you tell the audience who, what movie we are talking about today? So, we are talking about the Netflix movie starring the beautiful little Millie Bobby Brown, Enola Holmes. Right, Enola Holmes. Yes. So, Juju, I, uh, I, I have to say, this movie was. I mean, I think by now, our audience knows that. We record most of the time, whenever possible, on Saturdays. Yes. Obviously, our podcast comes out on Tuesday, so we record on Saturday and sometimes on Sunday, but so even sometimes on Mondays. But most, you know, customarily, we we record on Saturdays, and so the entire week I was thinking about we we thought about two movies that we we could look at, and. I obviously wanted you to have the choice of which one you wanted to discuss because by by Friday night I hadn't seen either. <laughs> you know. But yes, I was willing to even to watch both of them to, to be honest with you. Because mm-hmm. Friday nights are my nights too. As they say, my nights of Fran Cachella. <laughs> but you decided, okay, we should go with Enola Holmes, you know, I'm like, yeah, let's do that. And it definitely made out for a fantastic Little Friday Night movie. And uh, I am anticipating that we'll have a lot of fun talking about it. Yeah. What say you, young Jojo? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm not feeling particularly young today, but uh, yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, I, I, I really, I, I enjoyed this movie a lot. It's, it's, it's lighthearted. There are some, some darker tones to it. There is an element of, of storytelling that's kind of woven through it that, that is serious. But overall, the movie is, it's, it's a little fun little popcorn flick that I think you can watch with your kids and that they'll enjoy. You know, depending on the age range, of course. As as much as 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 uh, as you will, it's it's definitely not a dumb movie. It's very enjoyable. Uh, yes, I'm I'm definitely with you in that. It's it's an enjoyable little movie. It's 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 a two hour some minute. Yes. And by the time you've watched an entire hour and a half of it, you're still like. I can still watch these, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. When I first, when I first, <laughs> this is terrible, but when I first started it and saw that it was two hours, I was like, oh my God, this thing is two hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, by the end of it, it had, the time had flown by. So uh, it was never a slog. It never, there was never a point where I was like, all right, get on with it. It was, it's, it's, it's very, very enjoyable. I'm going to use that word a lot, probably. Well, by, by the way, I, I'm, 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 the word that I probably will be, Enjoying, uh, we'll be saying a lot is nincompoop. <laughs> That's a fun word, isn't it? <laughs> it is an absolutely fun word, nincompoop. <laughs> You're finally dressed as the nincompoop you were born to be. <laughs> well, all right then. So, uh, to get into it, Jojo, then let's go ahead and watch you do what you do. <laughs> right? I, I, I don't. That it all it sounds like I've just said the same thing in two different phrasings. <laughs> watch you do what you do. <laughs> oh boy, that makes me think of the movie that thing you do. So <laughs> tangentially. All right. So uh Enola Holmes is a movie about the younger sister of Sherlock Holmes. And if you don't know who Sherlock Holmes is, I, I don't know how to explain this to you. Right, go home. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. The younger bro- uh, younger sister of Sherlock Holmes and his brother her also her brother Mycroft and uh, she is a a mistake child a gap child an old age child so she's much younger than them they've left home and she's grown up essentially with her mother and uh, it's her and her mother against the world pretty much and the starting point of the story is her mother disappears and Enola, being a Holmes sister, <laughs> is, of course, quite intelligent and is determined to find out what happened to her mother and where her mother went. She's not just going to cry and let everybody else deal with it. She's going to find out what happened to her mother. So this is the story of her search for her mother, her interactions with her brothers, Sherlock and Mycroft, and just a, a fun little period piece with a lot of great costumes, some neat little pastiche, pastiches going on, and uh, a lot of breaking of the fourth wall, which is hilarious. Yes, that was one of the most interesting pieces for me in this movie, because I know that you've got this thing with fourth wall, and if it's going to be done, it has to be incredibly tasteful to be acceptable to you. Yes. And I learned that about you when we <laughs> when we discussed Fleabag. <laughs> <laughs> and the crazy thing is I had never paid attention to the breaking of the fourth wall in that respect. Mm-hmm. And as the moment you talked about it in the way that you addressed it, 
it became important to me. And it became important to me. I learned that there is a trust in an introduction that needs to be made between the character and the audience before the character can address me and make me part of what's going on. Yes. Otherwise, I'm perfectly fine with being a passive observer. Yes. And I want you to talk a bit about why is it that this particular technique is, is so important to you? How, how, how did, when did you start feeling <laughs> this way about the fourth wall? Because the moment I saw Enola addressing, you know, breaking the fourth wall, I thought about you and I'm like, Jojo will have something to say about this, but I also have to take the moment to credit her for bringing this to my attention and making me learn the sanctity of, you know, respecting the audience being the audience and not necessarily, unless you know that you have earned the audience, you shouldn't bring the audience into things. Just let the audience be the audience. So, how did that become so important to you? And at what point in your life as a movie watcher? I think the... I do not remember the first time I saw someone break the fourth wall. It may have been the British The Office. Um, or that may have been the first time I noticed it. And it, I do remember that it was a jarring experience for me in, in whatever I saw it. And I... I did not care for it. That being said, I love the British version of The Office, so I'm, I'm not sure that that's the one that I'm thinking of. But I, <laughs> I, um, I, it, as I said, made me. I think in the Fleabag episode, it made me feel culpable with what was going on, and I do need the 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 trust of the character. I do need to have the trust of the character before she or he pulls me in in for the ride or at least be willing to go along for the ride. And uh, so it, it, it just became a very important storytelling, I guess, uh, mechanism for me right. to not be taken lightly, that this is, once you've looked at me and acknowledged that I'm there, then I, I am part of your story, and it really has to be something that I want to be part of it, uh, part of to be able to uh, to be comfortable with it. Otherwise, it just feels forced and, and wrong to me. And in the case of Enola Holmes, I don't know if it was the sweetness and the innocence of the character or just the sort of lightheartedness of the story. I didn't have a problem with the fourth wall breaking with this one. I enjoyed it. I actually mostly found it totally hilarious. Um, I think Millie Bobby Brown pulls it off very well with sort of a sly glance at the camera that isn't a over-the-top mugging for the camera, but just kind of a, hey, did you guys catch that too? <laughs> right, right, yes. Um, um, her, so her, her way of doing it was, was definitely tasteful. Yes, I felt it, I felt it was very, very tasteful and very, uh, just a, a very light hand on the, on the wheel of, <laughs> of, of pulling you into her actual story in life. Yeah, well, <laughs> there you have it. I mean, I, um, I, it was weird for me because the movie starts w with her addressing you. Yes. Like, hey, yes. I know you there. We're going to be talking. You're going to, you're going to be taking a ride with me. Yes. And I don't care whether you agree or no. Yes. And, and I was like, okay, so th this is weird. But as you said, 
maybe it is because, you know, so here's the way I, I, I saw it. You know, the Holmes and the the act, actor playing, you know, the Holmes is a young adult. In this case, she's playing a 16-year-old. Yes. And 16-year-olds don't really talk to adults that much, <laughs> you know. Right. And whenever they show an interest in talking to you, you better be paying attention. Mm-hmm. I have a 19, almost 20 years old, and, you know, he, whenever he chooses to talk, that's when he does. Otherwise, he's like, you know, he's a, he, he just lives here. <laughs> <laughs> and so the moment I felt that this child was talking to me from, from the per- perspective of an audience, I'm like, yeah, I'll I, I listen to you because I know that this is a choice that you're making. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but I think we, we've gone long enough <laughs> with the breaking of the fourth rule. <laughs> Let me ask you this then. What made you immediately, like before, I, I don't know, knowing about this, what made you, what brought you to this movie? Well, because of, of my, my father and his complete love of Sherlock Holmes and uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, I am always interested in anything that, that comes out that has anything to do with the Sherlock Holmes mythology. And I knew that these stories had been generally very well received by the, if you will, the Sherlockian, I don't know if that's right, the Sherlock community, the Baker Street Irregulars is the the club. So I I knew that they, I hoped that it would be handled pretty well in a movie. I like the idea of a younger sister. I like the idea of a big age gap. And uh, I, I enjoyed her character. So that's that's really the the first reason why I was interested in it. I don't know that I would have necessarily been interested in it if I didn't have that sort of early instilled love of Sherlock Holmes. I also there is a part of me that thinks I I probably should have turned my nose up at it. <laughs> right. Because uh, you know many people many people are are not fans of any sort of modern adaptation of of uh, Sherlock Holmes for them and everything ended with Basil Rathbone in the, in the forties. So I, you know, I, I'm not quite that much of a purist. I do enjoy uh, a different takes on the, the, like adding to the mythology and, and adding family members and things like that. I like that. I, I think it's fun. And I, I don't think it's anything that uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle would have minded because I, I think there's a quote from him where somebody Wanted to use Sherlock Holmes in a character as a play, and they said, is it okay if we marry Sherlock Holmes? In other words, you know, can we marry him off? Right. And, and and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle said, marry him or murder him. I do not care what you do with the blighter. So <laughs> <laughs> something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. So, yeah, I I, I was drawn to it be, because of that. And uh, I I wasn't let down in the sense of this... It's not a, a great or or, or mind boggling mystery. Uh, we'll probably get into talking about Henry Cavill and uh, and the other the cast in a bit. But you know, there's some I have some some issues with the movie, but overall, I I, I found it very enjoyable, and I I really love that Millie Bobby Brown found these books, enjoyed these books, and she and her sister decided to produce a movie. So I I just think that's lovely too. Yeah. So talking about purism, I, I sometimes 
you know, I I have my problem with with purists, especially in books and movies. And but sometimes I find myself being a purist, mm -hmm. except that I'm not, I'm not the turning up, turning my nose up uh, type of purist. Like, fuck that kind of purist. This is this is my, <laughs> this is the way I see it. And 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 here's I'm gonna give a uh, a little bit of an explanation as to in what way I'm a purist. Right? There are and I, we've talked about this before, I've said there are certain screenplays, there are certain actual stage plays that should remain that. Yes, right? yes. And two examples of that for me is going to be, for instance, Chicago. I don't see the point in making Chicago a movie. Just let it stay the play that it was, mm -hmm. that it, it was conceived to be. And... Cats. Mm -hmm. I did not see the point in turning Cats into a movie, and I'm glad that it fucking bombed as shite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think that movie might have started 2020. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? <laughs> Yo. I think you are onto something, aren't you? <laughs> I think I think that movie was the beginning of the end of civilization as we know it. Right. We should have perceived that nothing was going to be okay after that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> nothing could ever possibly be okay again after that. You know, after after Rumor Wilson was eating cockroach dancers and licking herself on oh, in CGI. For the love of God. Yeah. Yes, and poor, yes. poor Judy Dench had had human hands and a cat face, so what, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the whole Jason Derulo and the size of his manhood thing. It yeah, was, it, no, come on. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was a sign. It was we all should have taken it as well. It's time to build the nuclear bump bunkers, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, in, in that respect, I think I'm. I'm I'm as much a purist as I am an, an atheist in the sense that, look, if you're religious, I'm, I'm fine with you. I'm not going to make fun of you because I'm, I, I, I'm an atheist or whatever. Just, you know, don't, don't preach to me and shit because I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good if you believe in what you believe. Don't preach to me. Don't legislate me with the shit that you believe in. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. Mm -hmm. and, and for me, with movies and books is is the same thing is that you know certain things we have to you have to understand where you are doing a disservice to the oeuvre of of somebody who wrote a book or wrote a play or wrote a movie and it, you know if it's just a, a vanity project and you're gonna put your heart in it and you're not gonna do do it justice, then fuck you. <laughs> you know what I mean? But in, in this particular case of the added character to the whole oh, Holmes mythology, I'm perfectly fine with it and I want to see more of it. Mm -hmm. And so in that respect, I was, I was glad to, to see this. And I suspect that we'll see more of Enola Holmes. I, what do you think? I think so too. I th there are more books. I believe there's six books in the series. It's either six or ten. And from what I understand, I, I haven't read them, but there is a story arc to them. You know that continues through the series. So i i would I would love to see this turned into you know a series of movies. I enjoyed 
very much the character of Enola, and I enjoyed I enjoyed the movie, and I think it would be a, a lovely thing for for young people to have something like this to watch, you know, as as well as old folks like me. <laughs> yeah, and and here's here's why I like the idea of making a young adult adaptation of the whole Holmes mythology because. It seems to me that someone at some point thought and figured out, maybe they thought they figured out, that young adults are such airheads that the only thing that can grab their interest is, you know, werewolves and vampires and shit. And sometimes I get pissed off at people who who, who seem to want to paint my son's generation as a bunch of little screen cell phone induced coma type of little shitheads and and I want them to be, to be credited with far more than that because here's the crazy thing yes they might have their heads on a cell phone all day but they are ingesting way more information than you or I or anybody older than us ever had available and it is possible that they are utilizing the information that they are absorbing a little less than us. But the thing is that they have so much more resources that that information might just not be necessary to deploy all the time. I'm going to make my point here. You and I, when we were doing homework, (laughs) when we were their age, we either needed to go to the library, Mm -hmm. right? Or, um, you know, Mom and Dad had to buy us a, a, a various tomes of of encyclopedia in, in right. to do our research and blah blah blah, and that's if we had the resources, the financial resources, right? right. Um, I had my first my first PC when I was twenty six years old. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> And PCs had been around for a long ass time before that, <laughs> you know. A lot of people owned computers long before that. So what I'm saying by that is that our kids have all of this technology available to them. And they can do with that information what they will. And I don't think we should just encase them in this little box of, oh, they're just a bunch of you know, YouTube watching little morons. And so the the idea that that there is an adaptation of, yeah, maybe they will not be interested in the entire Sherlock Holmes <laughs> stories and in all that there is to it. But that's what can bring them to the past. That's what can bring them to to observing and learning about you know, what made us, us and our parents and our grandparents uh, tickle when we read <laughs> back in the day. I, I'm sounding so old <laughs> right now. <laughs> no. I'm sorry. No, no, I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, I am, you know, I, I, I'm disgusted by the people who describe young people as stupid. I'm like... If you just if you're describing an entire generation as stupid, you're the one who's stupid. 
It's yeah. just ridiculous. Because someone has access to information, a telephone, a cell phone, unlimited information all over the world, and they are interested in it and are reading it and are looking at them, why does that make them stupid? Please explain this to me. <laughs> They're learning things. Explain to me how right. that makes them stupid. Because you're, you're not and making... consistently learning. Like it's no, it's not like I mean, when when you when I was a teenager and I saw something that interested me, I had to wait until I got home if there was a, a, a book or an encyclopedia or a newspaper, something available, or until I went to the uh, to the library to to be able to research it. These little motherfuckers, they find out about something and they go straight to the source. Yes. You know, so how does that make them stupid? Yes, yes, yes <laughs> exactly. And and something like this, as you said, can bring them to get to go. You know what? I'm I'm kind of interested in this period of, of history. Um, you know, the the representation of the People Act of 1884 is something that actually happened in history. It's not something that was made right. up for this film. So um, th that is something that they might decide, you know what, I'm kind of interested in the fact that history is kind of repeating itself in some ways. Let's find out what the correlations are. Let's find out what the, the, the differences are in the time period. So anything that can bring somebody into the interest of, let me do some more research on something, to me is great. Um, Absolutely. I, I read a, a, it's been a very long time ago, so I'm going to completely paraphrase this. It, it was a, a philosopher who I, I don't remember which one, unfortunately, but he, he had a daughter who was sick and he, she could not eat full, full meats and vegetables and that kind of thing. She would have to have things ground up to be able to, to digest them. Oh, and wow. so he would always make sure that for her, what was ground up for her to be able to eat was the highest quality steak if she was going to have beef. And he had friends who were like, that's ridiculous. Why in the world are you doing that? You know, she, she, it's, you're ruining the point of, of a steak is its texture and you're just, you know, why don't you just give her ground chuck essentially? And, oh, wow. and, and he was like, <laughs> Just because she can't have a steak doesn't mean that she shouldn't have the high quality nutrients and quality of a steak. And so th th this was used as a as an analogy or a way to explain things like condensed books or or books that have been sort of um, simplified for younger readers. Or in the ca case of something like Enola, this is a it's still good content. It's excellent, excellent content, but it's just been distilled and brought down a little bit more palatable to younger people so that at some point, hopefully they'll be strong enough to take on the, the weight of, of a, something with a deeper meaning. Yeah. You, you, you have described exactly the, and I'm glad that because you know, the, the, the people of, of, my kids' generation, obviously, they 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 will identify with Millie Bobby Brown, um, you know, any any of those kids that are in, in series that they watch, they are watching today. And I'm glad that it was her. I'm glad that you know they didn't think of uh, making 
a 35 year old actress play the role of a 16 year old yes yes, <laughs> you, know, I, yes. you know they've done that shit before yes <laughs> like, so many times <laughs> and that's yeah. that's you know so she is 16 she's playing a 16 year old and uh and I, I i love that and i love the fact that she is the one who who started the whole let's make this a movie. I want to make this a movie, but I'm going to produce it. I'm going to star in it. I, I just, I love that. I, I'm, I'm very happy that, that there's young people who are doing this, that are taking control of, of their lives, their story, their narratives and their careers. Cause she's one of the kids of uh, stranger, stranger things, isn't she? Yes, she is. Yes. Right. Yes. You know, and, and you, you're absolutely right about, you know, younger kids, younger actors going like, yeah, I'm going to produce this. But, you know, about two years ago, this young actress named Masai, I can only remember her first name, Masai something. She is one of the kids in the series, of the uh, sitcom Blackish. And she found a movie that she wanted to make. You know, and she's she was like fourteen, fifteen at the time, and she was like, "I'm going to produce this." And she hired Tiffany Haddish, and she hired all kind of grown-ups, you know. And I was like, "Yeah, little boss, I'm cool with that," you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's it's it's. I love the fact that okay, I'm I'm. I don't remember who said this. The the quote about you know if you if you don't see the character if you're not reading about the characters then write them yourself well you know if, if i'm not seeing the movies that i want to see i'm going to make it myself right right sort of like a tony morrison type of like you know <laughs> you know if you can't find the book that you're looking for then you write it you know yes yes right, right. so so what are your takeaways from this movie jojo because i mean this is kind of your thing so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna let you pick this movie apart uh, uh, and I'm just going <laughs> I'm just going to be the casual opiner here um, so <laughs> what made this movie good for you what made this, what made this movie palatable to you I would say the character of Enola is represented in a very so she she she's strong-willed and she's intelligent and she's observant and she's insightful and she's independent thinking but they didn't make her she is not superwoman she's not an unrealistic unbelievable young lady yeah she yeah. she she is to me someone that if you would sit down and have a conversation with almost any 16 year old if they would talk to you, if you gave them enough time, would reveal themselves to be, to be a sixteen-year-old. <laughs> You're absolutely so, you know, right. They would. You would suddenly realize. Wait, the you know, sixteen-year-olds are intelligent, observant, and insightful. So I, I just I, I I love the fact that she's not in some unattainable superhero mutant type thing. She is just a girl, yeah. but she's she's been nurtured. She's been loved. She's been encouraged. She's had her weird interests, you know, uh, cultivated. She's been uh, taught by her mother that that you know perhaps the world is not a great place, and here's how you can defend yourself. You know. Yes, you're 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 living a sheltered life in the sense that you are in this English manor in the countryside. However, I have this huge library open to you, and you're going to read every book in it. You're going to learn everything about the world that you possibly can from the written page. And I think that that is 
a, a great way to to show people that you don't have to be quote unquote special to be special. That's exactly right. Yes. You you can be you can be just a, a normal, you know, person if as long as you you have the right environment and you and you you can culture it within yourself the the confidence and the intelligence. We I think we all have some sort of ability within ourselves. So I, I, I love that um, about this story. I think that Millie Bobby Brown does a beautiful job of portraying this character, again, never making her some sort of superheroine. She is very much a, a, a young 16-year-old girl. And I think the, the issues that I have with the movie are, are mostly quibbles. I, I do not care for the portrayal of Mycroft in this movie. I understand why they did it. They needed some sort of uh, conflict to, to to move the story forward. But I, I have a special place in my heart for the character of, of Mycroft Holmes. Um, <laughs> Sherlock Holmes is is wonderful, of course, right? The great the great brain of the world, and sort of a superhuman. Even in in the fact that he is he he is not a real character. He is a fictional character, but he was written so well and it's like he he became alive because yeah, he's conceivable as a character. He, he he is and and people you know there are people today who you can ask who are well-read perfectly well-read people and not stupid but will say oh yeah sherlock holmes was a real a real person he was a te- <laughs> detective in you know victorian times england right so so he is a he's a character that has has brought himself to life if you will so mycroft the brother is Someone to me that is fascinating because there's been so much written about the character of Sherlock Holmes and and about his family. There's been many extra books. There's been annotated works. There's been so much. And Mycroft is fascinating to me because this is someone who, in the original canon, was, by Holmes' own admission, by Sherlock's own admission, much smarter, um, much more powerful. And if just had some less uh, laziness, would have surpassed Sherlock Holmes in anything that Sherlock ever was interested in doing. Sherlock's kind of the lazy, the the, the screw up younger brother compared to Mycroft, which I think was brought to to light very beautifully in the the British series with Benedict Cumberbatch of Sherlock right. and Mark Gatiss. I adore Mark Gatiss's representation of Mycroft. I think it is perfect. Kind of the the chiding the younger brother along and uh, always being smarter and always kind of just gently rubbing it in, but not not too harshly. Right, because um, you, you, you just want to have that little competition and you don't yes, want to drive him off the yes. cliff. You, you just want to, yeah, I want to have you there so that whenever I need to... Uh, Stroke my own ego. <laughs> I can yes. show you how much smarter of you uh, than you than I am. Except that yes. most people don't perceive it that way, does it? Y- yes, yes. So, so for me, the character of Mycroft, until very recently, um, with uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, wrote a book about Mycroft. But until just a few years ago, there really had not been much written about mycroft at all which i find completely fascinating because if you take him just at face value he's a much more interesting character than sherlock holmes he came from the same dysfunctional family he's smarter than sherlock he's incredibly powerful 
why weren't more books written about him? It's almost as if the fictional character created his own black hole and was like, yeah, I, I, I am the British government uh, in the time of the, uh, the 1880s. That's how he was described in the original books as he is the British government. And I, I can just, I, I, I want to remain the, the quiet man behind the curtain. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I find that fascinating that 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 kind of like life imitated art in the, in that kind of sense. So, getting back to the movie, very long tangent there. Um <laughs> I I did not like the idea of Mycroft being portrayed as a sort of uh stupid stick in the mud British upper crust, uh, stiff upper lip, jealous I think the portrayal of that character was done beautifully by the actor, Sam Claflin. I just didn't like where the, the direction in which they took Mycroft because, and that that's me. I, I, I just, I have a great fondness for Mycroft. He's one of my favorite characters in fictional literature. No, I mean, you, I think you are absolutely right. And, and only a person who loves the character as much may have noticed all of these imperfections, but at the same time, you know, the entire story, the story was meant to be about Enola. So Mycroft and, and, and Sherlock in that respect are minor characters. If you want to, you yes. know, if, yes, very if, much so. If we want to, if you want to be honest, the problem is for us, it is very hard to watch or to read a story where Mycroft, where Sherlock are minor characters. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know? this is true. This it, is true. It's like, okay, I know the stories about you and all that, but do you know who your brother is? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to Can be I rude have your here. Autograph? <laughs> 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 yeah, so. So I think, but Jojo, I think you are, you are a, an expert, a scholar at, <laughs> at the Holmes mythology, to be honest with you. <laughs> and I'd, I'd like you to talk about, you know, what brought you here, because you mentioned earlier that your father was a, in, in, an absolute fan. And, um... I think you have a certain similarity in character with Enola in the sense that you two are have a huge uh, age gap. And, and forgive me if I'm <laughs> letting out uh, things that you probably did not want, you don't want to share with 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 our audience. And I'm I'm perfectly fine with editing that out. But no, you're fine. you are a child of of a gap between. Or your 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 sisters, yes. and so to a certain extent, you are an older <laughs> yes <laughs> to to you to you older sisters, <laughs> and uh, Doria in in your case was your father, isn't it? Like yes, your, your protector, your not your nurturer, and and so I'm certain that's what basically made you in 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 who you are in your character and i wonder if you would care to share a bit about that with us again you can <laughs> you, you can 
decline to do so, and I'm perfectly fine with. with <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I hope I didn't ambush you with that. Sorry. No, but, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. I just, I just wanna wanna hear a bit more about you because I, um, I, I, I have met people who have a a wide knowledge of of certain period in characters and in books and things of that nature, but their stories as to how they got there has not been as fascinating to me as yours. So, so, so if you would please. <laughs> <laughs> so so yes there there is a uh i i actually didn't really think about the parallels to the enola holmes story and my own story yeah. um which is funny until i was was talking about the the large age gap and i was like oh holy shit <laughs> <laughs> that's why i wanted to talk about this movie that's, that's... <laughs> but yes so uh in in my own family i i was a a a mistake child a a uh see my father used to call me the the child of his old age so i very much know the idea of of growing up alone, but with having I can't say siblings. Siblings is the wrong word because that implies to me that they grew up with you, but with having, I guess, relatives, sisters, and having them be very detached from your life yeah. in the sense that um, you know, they're gone, they're living their own life. It's not that they don't care about you or love you, it's just, you know, they're doing their own thing. And uh, much as say an, an aunt would or, or an uncle. So I, I had that very much. And I, I had the very close relationship with my father that Enola had with her mother. I certainly consider him to be the reason I know anything that I do know. And uh, he's certainly the reason I know anything about Sherlock Holmes and uh, the, whole, the whole mythology. He was an enormous fan of Sherlock Holmes my father had uh, a great propensity to have anything that he ever read referenced. So, you know, he, he had an enormous Sherlock Holmes annotated tales. And uh, I have memories of him. We used to go to the library a lot. And I have memories of him sitting after a big library uh, hall, reading a book with, you know, like 12 other books spread out around him so he could, could reference what he was reading and make sure that, you know, he, he was checking sources and, and things like that. And, it, and he took everything that he did that seriously, which it sounds funny to say that he was that serious about Sherlock Holmes, but he was. <laughs> yeah. um, so he, he, he took that sort of, of, of interest in Sherlock Holmes, but uh, also applied it across all spectrums. So if he read the news, you know, he, he didn't have one newspaper. He would have 12 newspapers spread out around and reading about one thing. So just, just as an example. So I certainly draw a correlation between myself and Enola. Um, and, you know, my this is the week, uh, the, the anniversary of my father's death. And he's he's been gone for six years. So... You know, he was he was one of my most favorite people in the history of history. So it it was sort of bittersweet to watch this because I would have liked to have been able to watch it, if not with him, uh, at least to have gotten his opinion on it, see what he would have thought of Enola. So did, was did your father ever discover uh, the existence of Enola uh, as as an added character to the? 
Not that I'm aware of. By the time these books came out, would have been sort of towards the uh, decline of his health. I'm if he did, I'm I'm not aware of it. Yeah, but I, I can't help but think of you uh, of your father as as one of those people that understand always understood the power of knowledge. And I think the first time I came across useless knowledge was in my 20s and was someone that I was dating who told me something about like how how you know how does that help you in life and uh, I I could no longer be with that person mm-hmm. because the <laughs> I've always thought about knowledge as the only thing I have, as the as my only riches, right? Like mm-hmm. I. So this is why when you talk about your father going to libraries in in referencing things, not just like taking things at face value, no matter how whether whether it was a novel, whether it was an, a a work of fiction or or real, real life, real event. Because the, the, the thing is that even when you are reading fiction, there are, uh, as you said, the, 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 people's, the people's, people's Act of 1884 was a real thing. And that is referenced in a work of fiction, fiction right? So, so, so what happens here is that you find out about things that re- happen in real life and it will pique your interest to, to go that way too. Right. And mm-hmm. the question by anyone's standard would be, well, why would you want to know about that? In what way is that going to help you? You know, it's all about a what's in it for you type of thing. And I don't I don't think knowledge is about that. There is, at least for me, and I, I'm sure you, you share that sentiment, there is a an unsaid satisfaction in knowing that you are the smartest fucking cookie in the room. Simple as that. I'm, I'm not going to, like, this is not something that I'm, 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 I'm willing to, to negotiate. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I feel that is, and I hope I'm not, you, you know, minimizing this by saying, well, I I think that was a big part of your father's whole personality, is knowing I'm 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 smart and I like being smart. I'm 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 an intelligent man, and and I'm perfectly fine with that. No matter how ridiculed the whole idea of being a smart person is, because it's hard to be a smart person. In America, especially in the, <laughs> it is hard in, in the era of anti-science, anti-knowledge, you know, the idea that you've got actual people going on TV and radio and telling you that you have to be careful about sending your kids to universities and colleges because they get indoctrined to become liberals. That That is happening and that has been happening in, in America, the anti intellectual movement in America has been going on for more than 50 years. And so that, you know, 
the idea of being a, a well-read, a well-researched person could create a big complex in anyone. So, so that's, you know, I, I wish that I, I had at least a one-year period of having met your father because he would be my dude. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you had to. I wish you had to. I uh I would uh love to have another year with him. I I am selfishly glad that he's missed a lot of things that are bad, but I am selfishly wishing he was here for the good things. I concur with you. One hundred percent, and I, and I'm and I'm and I'm sorry that I brought these, uh, um, maybe brought up painful memories and stuff that was not my intention at all. But I know that no, you've been no. you've been thinking of your father, and uh, yes, yes, um, yes. No, it's uh, it's not a, uh, not painful so much as as bittersweet. It's uh, you know the. I'm very thankful and very grateful that I was given the the space to be uh I, I don't know if the right word is weird <laughs> but but given the the tools to to read given the encouragement to research given the advice to consider the source given the 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 encouragement to my father was never the kind of, of man who would insist that a, a woman be a, a lady. <laughs> you know, it wasn't a, he was never a, a misogynist or a sexist or, or even someone who I think believed in traditional roles in the sense of intelligence. You know, there's, I, I think there is a, a portion of men in the population that believe that intelligence is only reserved for men. Right. And, uh, and I think that's with any population. I think that's worldwide. And I am very thankful that I never got patted on the head and told to go be a good little girl somewhere, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, we, and I've said this many times in the podcast, we, we did not have any money and my father was very intelligent and very uh resourceful and so you know we had ancient cars and i would be out there fixing them with him so as a consequence of that i i know how to change oil in the car you know those kinds of things so it was never a sense of well i'm not going to teach her this cuz she's a girl why would she ever need to know that you know, right, right. it was, it was just, she's a human being. She's, I must've been tolerable or he, <laughs> he wouldn't have wanted to be around, you know, she's, she's a tolerable little human being. Let's teach her, you know, let's teach her this, let's teach her that. And I, I'm very thankful and grateful for that opportunity. And I am very grateful for that relationship in my life because it certainly molded a big part of, of who I am and a big part of, of what I believe in and don't believe in. Well, here's the thing. I am, in, and I know <laughs> Jeffrey shares that sentiment, but I am forever grateful to your father for making you who you are because I can walk around and, and boast about having 
the greatest co-host anybody could ever wish to have in a podcast and and that's no hyperbole at all like it's you know uh, you're one of the very few people whose brain i like to pick because (laughs) that is a huge compliment thank you very much thank you very much i I, I say this i say this because it is it is absolutely the truth you have I've learned in the course of the years that of the almost two years that we've done the, this podcast, I've learned so much from you, and every time I learn something from you, we end up talking about how the credit is due to your father, and so I am like, you know, yeah, maybe maybe Jocelyn's dad should have been my dad too. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> For that, he would have had to have at least lived one year in Haiti and met my mom. And... Yes, yes, yes. I am cool. I, I am very more than cool than that. I am... You need to be my brother. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, so, Jojo, let's enter into the cast. We've talked about a few of the actors. And this is going to be a repeated theme for me, but yes, I am every week kind of surprised to see some faces in some of the series and movies that that we talk about. And I'm going to, who's the biggest surprise for you here? I was very surprised to see Fiona Shaw. (laughs) Yes. Um, and I, right. I, I love Fiona Shaw and, and she's, she's, she's lovely in this, in, in a deliciously terrible way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like she's, she's, she's kind of creepy and slimy in this. There's a yes. little element to this that I, I think is, is, is a little grosser than. <laughs> right. Right. Because she's, it's funny that she has a thing for Mycroft. And he's young enough to be her son. Exactly. (laughs) That is funny and creepy at the same time. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, I I thought it's amazing that we didn't watch the movie at the same time. But that that was a surprise for me here. I'm like, really? Yeah. Fiona Shaw? Yeah, when she she pulled up in her little contraption, her little machine. Oh my God, that was funny. And then she slapped the fuck out of the poor kid. Yes, yes. I was like, holy cow. Wow. All right. Well, now we know where we stand. Well, I have to confess that brought me a lot of terrible memories. uh, Yeah. Because if you've been to Catholic school... That slap is kind of familiar, <laughs> except that it would have been with a ruler. <laughs> you know. But damn, I was like, yeah, child, don't go there. Do not go to with that one. Do whatever you can to get the fuck out because it's not yeah. going to be good. <laughs> yes. But yeah, that was the surprise character for me. Yeah. And I was... Helena Bonham Carter has played so many creepy characters in her life that when she plays a very light-hearted, likable character, I'm always, like, suspicious of her. (laughs) Right. You're you're waiting for the the mask to drop. (laughs) I know. (laughs) 
yeah, okay, when is she gonna do the, her thing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so she was fantastic uh, in this little movie. She was, and uh, it's amazing that we've seen through the years, and that makes us feel old too. Yeah. That you know, Helena Bonham Carter has gone from a young actress with penchant for the uh, creepy characters to the motherly <laughs> character. Yes. In yes. The Crown, but- she was uh, the sister of the Queen, and and the whole thing. And uh, still, she's she's amazing in everything she does, isn't she? Yeah. There, there was a scene with her and uh, Millie Bobby Brown that was reminiscent to me of A Room with a View, uh, which was one of her, one of Helena Bottom Carter's first movies. And uh, I was like, oh my goodness, I feel so old right now because, yeah. you know, she was very young and very, very beautiful. And, and not that she isn't beautiful now. She's, yeah. she's a beautiful, gorgeous woman. But it was just, I had the juxtaposition in my head of the age yeah. and thinking more about the, you know, she was the age, I think, maybe a little older when she made uh, uh, Room of the View than Millie Bobby Brown. But it was just like, oh, I, you know, I remember that when she was... <laughs> About that age, so. And, you know, a... I'm always waiting, like, whenever I see her in anything um, lately, he's like, okay, where's Johnny Depp? <laughs> yes, yes. And actually, I, I, we, my husband and I, Jeff and I watched this movie together, and um, there was one scene where uh, uh, Enola is having difficulties, and he's like, don't worry, Johnny Depp will be here soon. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> Um, so, you know, what do you think of the, of the character of Doria Holmes? Um, I, I love the feminist tweak in, 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 in her. Yes. Uh, I love the fact that, uh, if you want, because we don't get to know much about Mr. Holmes, the father, if you want to give credit to everything that the Holmes are, she's definitely it. It's, it's her, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes, um, you know, and the dysfunctional relationship type of thing, it's indicative of a matriarch that is far more smart and intelligent and nonsensical than any woman of her time. Hence, yes. having two boys would uh, would 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 create that kind of friction in in a relationship or lack thereof so i uh i i i think i love eudoria and hopefully in the next few movies she's she's more there you know yeah yeah i i will love to see more from her and about her even if it's uh, in a narrative style, you know, and we see her through the eyes of, of Enola, I, I'm fine with that too, because I, I enjoyed her character and I enjoyed seeing the, the interactions between her and Enola and the, yes. the, uh, kind of life lessons and the, the playing games and the, yeah, it was nice. Let's uh, address the elephant in the room. If you will. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Henry Cavill should never play Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, he. Um, I I believed him as as Millie Bobby Brown's brother 
because they do have similar face structures. You know, they've got the dimple in the chin and they've got the dark hair, dark eyes sort of uh, a look there. So I, I was like, okay, I can believe him as, as her, as her older brother, but I, he, him as Sherlock Holmes. I, I, there was only one moment where I felt that he channeled Sherlock Holmes, which was when he was walking into the police station at the very end to see Lestrade. Right. And someone tries to stop him and he says, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, Oh, he just got Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Two seconds. <laughs> I, I, I like Henry Cavill. You know, you sort of can't help but but like him because he's 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 gorgeous. But he, uh, you know, like I said, he's so pretty. I don't know if he's a good actor or not. I like looking at him. <laughs> but I, I didn't believe him as Sherlock Holmes. I didn't. He's too beefy. He's too big. He's too humble. He's too 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 kind in some ways yeah. not that Sherlock Holmes was cruel but he was he wasn't necessarily kind either I don't know just a little too Sherlock open was, Sherlock was slightly douchey yeah uh. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and uh I just I yeah he I he he, he did he did what he could with what he had I guess I don't know <laughs> I think the other problem is that it's so weird to see Sherlock taking uh, taking a backseat to Mycroft, uh, like, mm-hmm. like yeah, man, you, you you're in charge, so I'm I'm just gonna play the little brother. Yeah, you, you know, it was like, oh, what are you doing? That's not the way you do shit. Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but but again, it was probably a question of let's make this about Enola Holmes. So if we if we make a lot about Sherlock, then then we are diverting people's attention. Right, to we're just which, making another Sherlock movie. Right, but to which I would ask, and why bring Sherlock at all? Like he could be simply mentioned. It's true. Uh, I, I don't know. It's just so I'm. I I probably not going to be too hard on Henry Cavill, but rather the idea of bringing Sherlock. I agree with you. Yeah, he he could have certainly been represented here as just a passing reference, letters. You know, oh, I'm busy on a case, I can't come, type thing. You know, yeah. And maybe introduced later on. I yeah. I I don't. He was wholly not needed for the plot. Absolutely. You are perfectly correct, too. Okay, so Sam Kathleen, on the other hand, he played a Mycroft that we we hardly recognize, but nailed it. Yes, yes. Yeah. He is, he's very, very good in this. He really is. I knew him as the dude from the Hunger Games, so... <laughs> <laughs> and I know he's been in other things, but that that's the the first thing I think of when I when I see him. And uh so he does a great performance and makes you hate him, which I've always taken as a as a fun hallmark of a of a pretty good actor. If, especially with someone like like himself who's typically pay, played from what I've seen in his career, uh just a quick look on imdb it looks like he's usually played sort of the romantic lead the the likable guy that kind of thing so to to kind of swing that around and be a completely hateable (laughs) you know uh 19th century prat is 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 nice yeah uh who is this kid uh 
What's his name? Uh, Louis Partridge. I am not familiar with him at all. He he was he was very good. He was. He was good. <laughs> he, he was, was very, good. very good. Yeah, and uh yeah, right around the same age as Millie Bobby Brown. And uh that apparently this is his big his his biggest role. The Viscount Tuxbury. But he is he plays Piero de' Medici in the um, period piece Medici and also appeared in Paddington 2. So we could be forgiven that we don't know much of him. Any. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think so too. I haven't seen Paddington 1 or 2. So. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Which I've heard is very good. The first one, I believe, is supposed to be excellent, but I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen one or two and probably won't. Oh. <laughs> well, that's going to be honest. I probably won't either. And, you know, for a moment, Bern Gorman as Linthorn, the, you know, kind of assassin or whatever, the bad guy. Yes. Know. For a moment in the train, I thought, is that Willem Dafoe? Yes. <laughs> Is yes. that Willem Dafoe playing a minor little character in a Netflix movie? What the hell? <laughs> yes. Yes. And then I realized, no, that's not that's not, that's not uh, Willem Dafoe. But this is a dude with quite a bit of uh, of you know characters and and appearances and movies under his belt. So. Yeah, he's been in he's been in many many things, and my uh, my husband recognized him immediately from Torchwood. Mm-hmm. He was he was in that, but he's he's been in a lot. He was in uh, let's see Johnny English. He was in Spies of Warsaw. He was in and then there were none. Uh, he was in Jamestown. He's been in quite a few things. He was in Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones called Tanner. So, yeah, good deal. But I was a bit pissed off at the character of Lestrade. I was pissed off that Lestrade is is much more bigger, larger than life than that. And in this case, I I think he was reduced to just a dude from Scotland Yard that nobody respects. um, But Adil Akhtar, I guess he did what he could with it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, I think, uh, maybe if there is another movie, maybe they'll open that character up a little bit more, hopefully. Uh, cause we did get to see a little bit of his, uh, again, at the very, very end with the, your sister beat you to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My second question for you. I was like, Oh, okay. There's some Lestrade coming out. Yeah. I did, uh, when when I saw because of the big mustache or whatever sideburns, I thought for a moment that I was looking at Nish Kumar, and I'm like, "Huh? They got <laughs> Nish Kumar for this? You know?" <laughs> and, and then later on, I figured, "Oh, so that's okay, okay, okay. So that's Adil Akhtar. So yeah, that's more credible. <laughs> I can't see Nish Kumar playing a character as serious as uh, Let's Try, but Susie Wakoma." As Edith, an ass-kicking jujitsu master. 
<laughs> what a fantastic thing to do. Yes. So um, she is a good friend of Eudoria, and she's part of the movement, and she's one of those characters that if more movies are made, then I hope to 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 learn more and see more of, of her because she's a no-nonsense woman and she was about to kick Sherlock's, Sherlock Holmes' ass if he didn't just get the fuck out. <laughs> and with a teapot, no less. I mean, can you think of any more uh, British way to, 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 get, to, to banish what you don't want in front of you? To beat you to death with a teapot. Yeah, and Sherlock like, yo, she threatened me with a teapot. Like, what the fuck, mate? <laughs> oh, that was awesome. <laughs> yes, yes. A few minor characters, so, but Fiona Shaw, we, we've talked about Fiona Shaw. <laughs> uh, she's perfect. <laughs> she is absolutely perfect. I, I just want to say that. Miss Harrison is Fiona Shaw, and Fiona Shaw is Miss Harrison. <laughs> That's it. She's, she's very, very, very good in this role. And, and like I said, there's a sort of an ickiness to this that she she just made I don't know something about the way she played it made it slightly more icky than I think it could have been <laughs> <laughs> and I love that I'm glad she did that because I, I think that brought something to the character that otherwise she could have just been like I don't know like a caricature, a caricature. Or very dull or very boring or very two-dimensional but she she yeah since she's practically licking her lips over my croft it's like <laughs> oh god <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is that for some reason we've talked about Fiona Shaw's presence before, right? When we when we, when we talked about Kini, Killing Eve, yes, that yes, but she had this something about her that makes her you, you want to I don't know take a bow or something. Yes, it, like, she has a very commanding presence. My goodness, like. Oh, the the scary matron, matron that you can't help but love and be scared of at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, like not quite old to be your grandmother. Uh, maybe your mom, but rather your mother's sister that everybody respects and 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 bow to. You know, like the the scary aunt, something like that. I don't know. Maybe I'm describing my aunt love. Um, (laughs) 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 You know, but yeah. Um, And then the one other actress that I want to talk about, because everybody else was like just there, is Frances de la Tour. Yo, she she was surprising. Her character as the Dowager was surprising. She, uh, <laughs> I was like, it's her, dude? Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. You could, and very... she, she could have fooled you, and she fooled everybody, I think. Yes. Hmm? Yes. Yes. And very, uh, the the conversation that she has, it's a, it's a very brief scene in the movie, but the conversation that she has in the, the park around the estate mm-hmm. with Enola gives you so much insight into the character yes. with just a few words and and just a few actions and is really the key to the whole the whole thing 
the, the key to everything, really, yeah. the key to the, the whole social commentary, the key exactly. to everything that's going on in this movie is, is really distilled down in that one little scene. Absolutely. And uh, she, plays, she plays it beautifully. Yes, yes, yes. But yeah, that, that conversation is the key to everything. You're right. You're absolutely right. And, and yes, you, 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 you put it beautifully with, with, with the fact that it was a social commentary that, that needed to be inserted there, and it was inserted at the right time. And um, if you weren't taking this movie seriously up to that point, you're interested you're watching and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to follow these. Mm-hmm. This is, this is where the key to everything is. So there you have it. Uh, so Jojo, tell people why, why they should watch this. You should watch it because, uh, it is, it is light fair. It is a fun movie to watch. It's not going to bring you down. It's not going to really make you probably think a huge amount, but at the same time, it may. And if you have young people in your house, I think that there couldn't be anybody better for them to watch and uh, see as a figure of of strong girlhood, womanhood, uh, than Enola Holmes at the moment, because uh, she's she's a tough, smart cookie, and uh, we need to see more of that. I'm absolutely with you. And uh, I, um, I was not disappointed about this movie. And as we said from the in the beginning of the show, it was one of those well spent two hours because you never felt like you were wasting your time. And there's an ease to to the to the watching experience that by the time you realize it, yeah, you've already spent two hours watching this movie, and you're like, yeah, I was good. Wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right then. So Enola Holmes is on Netflix. Actually, for some reason, I thought it was a series. Uh, <laughs> you know, until I realized, oh, so this is a movie. So. But I, I don't know. Would you have liked it to be a series as opposed to a movie? I I think I'm good with it have been, having been a movie. I, I, I think it was encapsulated very well. I don't really think it needed anything added to it for the story that it told. But I, w- I would like to see an, at least one more movie. Right. Fantastic. All right, then. So we have talked about it, and it is up to you to watch. If you've watched this movie, then uh, you you know what we are talking about, and uh, we we hope that you are okay with uh, how <laughs> how we reviewed this movie. If not, then you can always tell us what you thought we missed. If you haven't watched this movie, then we hope we have picked your interest in that you will go ahead and give it a chance because it is a good movie and uh, we hope we have not created a a hoopla about this movie that it doesn't deserve, does it? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> we The invitation is for you to join us, join the conversation, of course. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and also on YouTube. Uh, you can find Jocelyn on Instagram as... Jocelyn Podcast. And me, you will find me on Instagram as 
Mr. Puzzetta, M-R-P-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-A. <laughs> and so, for me, for Jojo, we're going to call it a day. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Kicking and Streaming Podcast. If you found value in our content, please subscribe and share. We would also be delighted to hear what you think of this podcast. So please rate us by writing a quick review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all major social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Join the conversation happening today on our Facebook group.